That's why every title in Raising Cane's, that's over 30,000 people, you know, whatever it is. Mine is founder, chairman, CEO, of Fry Cook Cashier. If you're an accountant in Cane's, you're an accountant, Fry Cook and Cashier, because that's what we do. We're supporting those frontline cooks and cashiers. I'm supporting my customers right now. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down to learn about Raising Cane's as we sit down with Todd Graves, who is the founder, chairman, CEO, fry cook, and cashier. Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm really looking forward to the discussion. You have an awesome story of what you've done with Raising Cane's, so can't wait to share it with everyone. Well, I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to be on the show, and hopefully uh, people can pick up something from this. We all need help uh, during this crazy, crazy, crazy COVID-19 times operating our small businesses. So let's dive in right with that entrepreneurial journey. Can you talk about the founding story for Raising Cane's? Uh, yeah, you know, I actually love to tell the story because uh, it, it really shows you what our roots are and how we've carried this on for almost 25 years now. But my story is a, you know, the Kane story is a, it's an entrepreneurial dream. It was actually, I had this idea during college and uh, for Raising Canes and actually wrote a business plan for a business planning class in college. Uh, classically, it got the worst grade in the class, which is fun to look back on. Now, it, you know, it was rumored later that it was, like, I got a failing grade. And it wasn't that. It was actually a B minus. This was an easy grader. The professor, but what the professor said was, you know, quick service restaurants during that time were going towards more variety. If you remember back in those days, this is back in, you know, 1994-ish. And, um, you know, it was, I was focusing on doing just a quality chicken finger meal restaurant, you know, this one love we have. And at that time, the industry was going, you know, variety, even adding a lot of different healthy items like, you know, salads and things. So professor said, hey, it's, 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 it's good plan. You thought everything through, but the concept's not where the industry's going. So anyway, like a entrepreneur does, um, that just basically fueled my fire. And uh, I said, well, you don't think it's a good idea? You know, I'll show you that it is. And took that business plan, uh, basically went and saw every bank in town and the course got turned down and I can't say that I blame them. You know, I was you know, fresh out of college at this point and had zero money and really not a lot of experience in the restaurant business besides working high school and college, you know, hourly positions. And so from that, you know, every one of those knows uh, really just, just fueled my fire even more. And this really became a passion, you know, before it was a dream. Now it's like, you know, I'm seriously fired to make this happen. And uh, so I knew I had to make money myself. I went and worked as a boiler maker doing turnaround shift work in refineries in several cities, uh, most mainly in L.A., uh, also Denver, also on Honolulu in, in Oahu in the Hawaiian Islands. So the shift work, you could actually work really long days and really long weeks, work basically every day for several weeks. And you can make a lot of money doing that, making overtime and even double time. And from that, I went on uh, and worked in commercial fishing in Alaska and uh, spent my summer doing that. And with, those, with, with both of those, those employment through the bowler maker and being a commercial fisherman, I was able to raise enough money to basically keep the project going and get a small group of investors and a very small SBA loan and renovate an old dilapidated building at the North Gates of LSU right off campus 
which is a blessing because, you know, I got very, very cheap rent and uh, learned how to renovate and learn a lot of new things I never done before. And on a shoestring budget, opened up a little dine-in drive-through location back in 1996, which we call the mothership. It's actually two minutes from my house. I regularly drive by or walk by, sometimes on a daily basis. Uh, it's just our roots. And uh, we opened that restaurant. It became a success. You know, we had a, we became a, a tradition around the campus, and I wanted to grow it. I opened a second location on the other side of campus. Um, I thought this was mainly just a college concept, just being just chicken fingers. But when I opened that second location on the other side of campus, we had traffic flow that brought in, you know, all walks of life, you know. And so all of a sudden I started seeing we would have men and women there for business lunch. We would have uh, moms and dads picking up food through the drive-thru on their way home. We would have t-ball games on Saturdays, and we would have church groups on Sundays. And that's really when I got the vision. I'm like, man, this could be not, you know, this is not just a college concept. This could be really, I think, on every corner in the United States that has enough population. So from there, I get really fired up, and it's just been a wonderful journey as we've continued to grow the business. I think um, I think the thing I've enjoyed the most is is by far the people and one that's the crew members that come and share my dream at Raising Canes and then two it's just serving our communities as we go along so this is this is still my baby like it was back when I opened the mothership back in 1996 and God willing we'll be able to continue to do this throughout my lifetime. I want to talk a little bit more about the people that you call out you know as I did the introduction you know your title isn't just CEO you've got fry cook in there and you've got cashier. So what is it about the Keynes culture that has been so instrumental in your explosive growth? Well, you know, it, it peoples everything. And so, you know, and I say that after you have a concept. So in business, and in my business, I still like to say we're small business, but we're not. But we came from being a small business. and But I've kept that small business entrepreneurial mindset. And so just... Really quickly, when you go back to the reason why I told you my extensive entrepreneurial story of getting started, it's because what that founded, it deepened me and became the hallmark of Kane's culture is it, it fostered appreciation in me because it was so hard for me to start the business. This was a two-year journey. I mean, I went commercial fish in Alaska, you know, without a job. I went up there and camped out until I finally talked to Captain and to give me a job. You know, it's like it wasn't handed to me and I had to work, scratch, and just everything just to get that first location open. And so I appreciated it. So meaning appreciation is my original crew. These were all college kids that worked so hard because they were a part of my dream. You know, Todd, you know, you really want this, you know, this to happen and we're behind you. You know, I was like, thank you so much. And so I wanted to create a great work environment for them, right? So we, and this was weird back then. It, this didn't happen. We blared the music in the kitchen and we would dance, laugh, sing, and we would get the food out with that quality product. And I wouldn't have a good time. Like our uniforms, it was just a Canes t-shirt. I said, hey, what do y'all want to wear? Uh, well, do we have to, can we wear our regular clothes? Well, well, no, we need to symbolize, you know what I mean? To look at this as we were a team, but you can pick the uniforms. Okay, a t-shirt and this guy's a hat. Great. And that sounds very basic, but when you listen to your crew and they know they're part of the process and part of the decisions and why we're doing things, it's huge. And so there's that, that appreciation for the crew has never left me because they're the reason why I'm able to live, live my dream. And then that first location, the mothership, it was the customers that came in and they came in because we gave a great product. 
and we gave a, you know, a great service and friendliness, but they knew that I was working hard and it was, it was, we're doing it for the right reasons, you know? So they would might come an extra time, maybe even if they weren't in the mood for chicken, but they wanted to support my cause. And the same with community groups, like, you know, the things around campus, these little community things, we knew I was working hard. So let's say they had a little budget in their, whatever club it was, the foreign language club, the school band, whatever it was, they would come to Canes because they knew how hard I was working. And so because of that business, I was able to make $30 the first month, which sounds you know, minimal, right? But it meant I could pay my crew. I could pay my vendors. I could pay my rent. And so I was grateful. So being appreciative is what we are in Canes. And so that's, that's the basic of our, of our culture. And so just even in our title, it's like, I'm appreciative of our fry cooks and cashiers. That's why every title in Raising Canes, that's over 30,000 people, you know, whatever it is, you know, my, 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 mine is founder, chairman, CEO, fry cook, cashier. If you're an accountant in Canes, you're an accountant, fry cook and cashier, because that's what we do. We're supporting those frontline cooks and cashiers are supporting my customers right now and servicing since we all have a job, we're able to do this dream right now. And so we're going to focus on doing that for them. So I, it just comes down to people. And just when anybody's starting a business or doing a business, you know, that are successful, I, I think they would agree. You have to have a great concept and our focus chicken finger meal concept. Our one love is a great concept. It works out. The business behind it is, is quality food served with fast food, speed and convenience. And we can do that because we have that focus on just the quality chicken finger meals. We don't have whole times and things we can deliver that meal really quick in a cooked order system, but with the highest quality. But when it comes down to having a good, good concept, after that, it comes down to people, right? And it's all about taking care of your people, meaning your internal crew, your customers, and your community. So diving into that uh, community part a little bit more, you've continued growth throughout the pandemic, you know, which not every restaurant, unfortunately, can say. How's Raising Cane's really been able to maintain your growth plans despite all the changes that COVID-19's brought to the industry? Yeah, you know, uh, just like you said, unfortunately, the industry's not been able to do this. And it's heartbreaking because when I look at it, you know, I know what it is like to start, a, how hard it is to start a restaurant, you know, and then I know how hard it is to keep it open. We make small margins on larger volumes. And so many of these wonderful mom and pop and independent restaurants, you know, their dream is just as big as mine, you know, and this is things that the restaurant industry frankly, I don't think could have prepared for. It's just not been something in our wheelhouse. I mean, our industry knows how to work through power outages, hurricanes, earthquakes, you, you name it, you know, and, and, and we're able to survive, but no one saw a pandemic. And then when a pandemic happened, no one saw it could continue to go on. And it's like mid-March and we're still in the midst of this. And so my heart goes out to them. It is truly, truly, truly a tragedy. And I'm worried with the continued pandemic that we're just going to see a startling percentage of independent restaurants just never come back. So that being said, with our business, you know, we have two really big things going for us. Uh, the drive-through format, which has been ideal format during COVID-19, obviously, right? You know, so right off the bat, you know, restaurants were considered an essential business and that we could actually keep our restaurants open, which was amazing to see our crew members showed up. I mean, like we never stopped. Like when it was, Hey, this is a pandemic. We all showed up to work. Now, obviously we had to go to a whole new level of keeping our crew and our customers safe, which we had to learn really quickly, like literally overnight. 
and execute and execute that well. But the drive-through format is an ideal format to deliver food right now. You know, it's just, I mean, to customers, uh, to service customers. And then secondarily is we're also a bigger business and I have more resources, right? And so I have large teams that could, that could keep us open and keep us being safe. And so, for example, right? And so we took over 100 of our existing um, RSO, Restaurant Support Office, like it's corporate office, I just don't like words like corporate, but we took 100 people that did other jobs, whether it's payroll or, you know, human resources, uh, design, you name it. And we moved them and they volunteered to, to become a hotline for, for COVID-19, right? And so if anybody had any kind of question, whether it was a manager, a shift manager, a restaurant partner, uh, a crew member, anybody. Hey, you know, what do I do when someone tells me they feel fine, but I can tell they don't look fine? Or, hey, what happens if I don't have fever, but I feel this way? I mean, 100 people. Now, small business can't do that. They don't have 100 people to help them with those resources, you know. And so having, you know, having the drive through and then having a being a larger company and employing so many people, we were able to do these things. I mean, just frankly, like the safest way we could see to service our customers, it was to not open the dine-ins, to keep the drive-throughs going, and then to work with our crew to keep them safe doing block scheduling. And so block scheduling for us, we do four blocks during the day. And it's really hard to schedule these blocks. I mean, you have four different crews that don't come in contact with each other and stay separate. So in case someone gets COVID, then you can take that whole block out, quarantine them for 14 days. And you can put another block in there. And this is something we were able to do and was what we should do. It's just, like I said, you just have these small restaurants that don't have that same, same ability to do so. So anyway, as I continue just to talk through this, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we're, we're actually up in sales. And then what we had predicted pre-COVID-19. And it just, that's not something we're proud of because that means it's taking from somewhere else. Now we're going to maximize our sales, of course, you know what I mean? But it's just one of these kind of circumstances that you're like, you know, it's coming from these independent mom and pops where people aren't going there. But anyway, specifically to growth, you know, we did, we did do, I think we're going to end up with this year. I think we're going to be close to doing 64 uh, new locations throughout the year. That's system-wide with company and franchise. We're, we're, we're predominantly company restaurants, but we do have some franchisees. We'll end about 64. We originally planned up around 81. So we are going to do about 17 less locations because basically when the pandemic started, I mean, everybody shut down, you know, contractors didn't know how to, how to react uh, at first. Uh, it wasn't essential business at first and came back. So we're doing less, but we feel very, very fortunate that we will open up um, 64 locations this year. It took working very hard with our contractors and for them to go through, you know, all the CDC guidelines for them to keep their people safe. And so it's just like anything else, your business has your, your, your partners in the business, external partners. And uh, some people call them vendor. We call them vendor partners because they are. So this goes from our contractors, our poultry providers, everybody. It's like, you know, sharing our best practices, both of us. What are you doing to keep your people safe? What are you doing to keep supply chain going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I just think everybody just had to go into hyperdrive and think of things we never had done. It's hard enough anyway, but we just had to go up. It's ridiculous, a thousand percent, right? To make sure this whole thing continues to work and get done. I'm real proud of all of our vendor partners. Um, 
because I think they did an exceptional job keeping our business not only going, but growing. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So I want to dive in a little bit more on that because the the empathy that you have to other restaurant owners and entrepreneurs, you know, unfortunately, it's not something we hear all the time from everyone as they talk about this time period. Why is giving back to the restaurant industry, fellow entrepreneurs and restaurant owners, something you focus on so much? And how are you doing that at Raising Cane's? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just because I know how they feel. You know, I, I started a restaurant from nothing and I'm even went and risk my life commercial fishing in Alaska to do it. And so I just, I know what it feels like to have a dream and how hard it is to make that happen. You know, I mean, financing being, I think the hardest. And then after you open, how hard it is to keep a door open. Like I said, small margins on high volumes and what you have to do to be successful. You have to live it, love it. You have to take care of your, your crew, whether they call it their employees team whatever. I mean, you have to do so much and, and it's, and it's just a hard business. And so it's, and it's, and financially, you know, the returns aren't as high as what the times you put in, you put into it. So anyway, I just, I have, I have this empathy because I, I know what it feels like. And so, and I know how hard these people work also for communities. It's like these, I mean, I, my business is a chain and we take each restaurant and we make it, you know, part of the, that neighborhood, that trade area. But Keynes has 550 locations. You can find them other places, but you can't find these little incredible mom and pop and ethnic restaurants and these special deals, you know, where mom and dad are working the business and the whole family. I mean, these places, as we can all relate to, are part of our culture of our own communities. They're special. It's we love. That's why I love the restaurant business. And if I couldn't go to Gino's down the street, and go see Gino and his brother Lawrence, you know, who serve amazing, it's Italian fusion here in Baton Rouge, you know, we're in Louisiana, you know, you're getting Italian dishes, but with Louisiana, wonderful seafood and flair. But, you know, I've been going since his mama was alive and going to Gino's and it's a part of our routine. I got, I got a hundred of these restaurants in South Louisiana. I love, you know, but if they go away, you lose a piece of something, you know, and to be replaced by a chain that has more resources is to me is a loss you know it's a real loss on just quality of life and things being special so anyway that being said i mean look we we, we did we did what we can we could still do a lot more i mean from the beginning i got on my social media channels and talked about you know support your local restaurants they can serve you well through takeout you can call them and tell them to bring the food outside and put in your trunk do it contactless before we had all these words and all these things and I bought hundreds of thousand dollars of gift cards from restaurants, knowing we could use them later because they needed the cash flow. Now it's actually involved with the PPP process with with uh, with lawmakers and our politicians because they were getting insight from restaurants, you know. And I'd started off being small business. 
uh, to all the way to now today, I'm actually doing a show, television show, filming. Uh, I have one more episode, my 10th episode next week in Arizona, and it's called Restaurant Recovery, and it's helping restaurant owners that are just really suffering from, from COVID, even some of them down 70% sales. And these amazing people are draining their savings, you know, not paying themselves. They're keeping their, their people employed and they've blown through PPP and they're just taking their savings and just to keep alive, you know? And so doing that show and look, the show, we've already done over a million dollars to help these, these 10 restaurants. Cause frankly, they just couldn't, Anyway, they just had they, these people would never give up, and I I think they would scratch to get through and make it. You know what I mean? So this would not take away in that. Just they just needed they just could use some help. But this is only ten restaurants I'm doing. So the idea is when people watch these things and they they understand these people's amazing stories and what it takes and the emotion and what they're doing is, then maybe we'll think about supporting you know those independence restaurants, those mom and pop restaurants, you know, you, you think is, Hey, do I want to go get, don't want to go to the next chain or don't want to support support and make sure I, I constantly give business to those people that might not have the same resources, let's say as a cane does or whatever. I know I'm going to get my business. I know we're convenient. I know people are crave our food and the people love our people. I just, I want people to think like, man, these people scrape by. And so let me think about them for my next meal. So, you know, taking that a step further, um, you know, this isn't anything new for the Raising Cane's kind of culture and mantra, you know, giving back to the local communities has always been a central part of your culture. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it goes back to original appreciation, you know, seeing the community come out to support me in community groups. And so I saw that and said, and I was appreciative of that. And then, you know, as I grew the business, I started realizing this isn't, just a dream I have and I'm very passionate about this dream and to fulfill this vision is this is my purpose and so I just feel God made me good at this and of all things chicken fingers right you know it made me good at chicken fingers so I can help people and I just firmly believe that that's what my purpose is and my family is 100% behind me and with me in that and so if it's your purpose you know my purpose is to help people through whether you employ them, being crew members, you know, coming through. I want a great place for people to work. I want most the people we hire first is their first job. You know, I want them to learn, hey, you really can work hard and have fun. It's not a buzzword. You can, we, we, we want to earn our people, our customers' money. You know, we want, and yeah, I can give them examples. You remember that other terrible quick service drive-thru you went through late night and they treated you terrible? Yeah. You know, how did you feel about that? I felt terrible about that. That's not what, who you are. It's not who I am. And so let's give people, let's make people leave and say, man, that was quality food, great service, man. I got my money's worth, right? Take pride in those things. You know, it's the showing them how it's positive motivational management. There's two ways to manage people. You can either be positive with them so they learn and come out of it, or you can be negative. And so negative reinforcement is just not what we are because I'm appreciative of my crew and they can see that and they see what we do in the community. And so most of these kids will go on and work at other places. And I want them to say in their head, hey, I got a little bit of who I am and what I want to do in the world from Canes. That's a big deal. And so and it's kind of neat for me to think I have that kind of influence, you know, on people. And I think it's because it's my purpose. Then secondarily, in the communities, like if you're about people and you feel like your purpose is, I feel like I'm, I have a mechanism to raise money to do really good things back into our community. And so this is came from the first location 
And it's interesting now over 550, it's just, it's incredible where we're going now, right? I mean, we can do a fundraiser day and raise a million dollars. You know what I mean? You can, you know, you can, you can do something for a period of a day and raise $250,000 for like MLK3 Foundation, eat some money. You know, it's like when you get to size, you can really do more, you know? And so I just, I just feel it's my purpose. I feel like that's what I should do and continue to grow and, and, and what I should do. And it feels really good to do it. And it's a privilege to do it. Talking about that uh, that growth, you know, over the last few months, you've had some really kind of interesting initiatives with virtual concerts of recording artists and entertainers. Where do you see the business going over the next year, uh, you know, year to two years, and how are you going to continue some of this stuff you started over the last few months? Uh, yeah. So just you know, it's it's interesting, right? So entrepreneurs are always thinking of ways, you know, where we have to be clever, right? And you had to be clever because it wasn't easy to start. And so just some of those things, it's funny you talk about that as we, we went in the beginning and it was traditional advertising for us didn't make a lot of sense. Right. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people listening to the radio <laughs> driving to work. Right. And so, I mean, when the country just shut down, so radio advertising wasn't good for us then billboards, same thing, people were on the roads and you know, that sort of thing. And so we said, well, how do we get our message out? And so obviously social media and, digital media and all those, all, all those ways going, people streaming, television, we, we shifted to those things. And then we also wanted to be involved with music. We like music, but then also all these people are out of, out of work. You know, there's just, there's no production going on. So you think about, it's not just the, not just the talent, it's not just the singer or the band, it's the lighting people, it's the, it's the stage crews, it's all those people. So we said, let's, let's do some streaming capabilities, keep people working and doing business. So, so we, we partnered with, um, the rocking concepts and, and, uh, a music promotion group. And so we did fun stuff from, you know, small, you know, having just little cover bands play, you know, and, and, you know, stream that to big to doing, you know, Snoop and Shaq DJing for graduation class of 2020. And, uh, that was really fun. And, uh, it's interesting. You asked me what's going to stick with that. We kind of like it. We won't do it as a frequency that we do, but it made us think differently of doing Kane's sponsored types events, but doing them virtually. So before it might not make a lot of sense for us to do, you know, headline a major concert somewhere, right? Because it might be in this one community that we don't have a lot of locations and the return's just not there. But if we stream nationally and it's not, you know, it's Shaq and Snoop doing a DJ deal, then, hey man, that's great exposure. We can get return on our investment on impressions and we can make that stuff work. So that is going to now become part of what Keynes does and it's stuck with us. So it's, uh, it's really, really, really interesting when you see things happen and what is going to mold you in the future. Now, other things that we've done during the pandemic that I think are better for us and for the industry is just something very simple, like a drive-through plexiglass shield. So, you know, before, if you were to tell me, and this is pre-pandemic, hey, you should put a plexiglass shield between you, you know, and your customers and drive through I'd be like, you know, I'd immediately be like defensive. What? I want my crew, you know, talk to my customers, da, 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 da. It's something you might not consider. But when the pandemic happened, we're like, let's get a plexiglass shield immediately on every drive through Well, being halfway set up and people hearing our people fine and seeing through a clean piece of, piece of plexiglass, they get all of our customers enthusiasm, friendliness, and all that. So that's, that's good. Whether, you know, when, once we conquer COVID-19, knock on wood, you're always going to have viruses. You're always going to have, have, you know, uh, other ways that we can transmit, you know, 
disease, whatever, you know, the sickness, it's like, that's a, that's a plus. And so I'm like, okay, that's a good thing. And we need to keep with that. It forced us to, to hurry up our mobile plans. We were going to do them later. Just, you know, we just, it made us do it because I wanted that contactless payment. You know, that's a plus for the industry. You know, contactless payment is just good. Last times people have to touch, you know, if someone has a common cold, it just helps not to, to spread sickness. And um, I think that's overall great in the industry. I think for our industry as a whole, too, is, you know, I am obsessive compulsive when it comes to uh, being clean and sanitary in our restaurants. I have since day one. It's just part of my nature. You can probably tell I'm a little, 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 little enthusiastic about what I do. Uh, I think some restaurants in the industry work quite as much and I've seen with a lot of restaurants that they have upped it up their game. I mean, I mean so much. And so I think just the industry as a whole is going to be better food safe, delivering food safe product because of this just heightened, incredibly heightened sense of, uh, of keeping people safe. Those are all really good things. I think. Well, it's been a pleasure learning about your uh, journey building the business and the uh, you know the true example of the hustle of entrepreneurship that you know somebody gives you an answer of no and that's just going to make you go harder. So, congrats on everything you've been, uh, have done and for uh, proving those early doubters wrong. Well, well, it was uh, it was great. It's been a wonderful adventure. You know, I, I feel a lot of ways we are just getting warmed up right now. So, like I said, God willing, we will continue to do what we're doing and and uh, just do it on a larger scale. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, have a great one. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.